Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. This is episode 185. Um, we are recording on a rainy Tuesday evening, but uh, hey, we need the rain here in New Orleans. So with me as always, I'm Aaron, by the way, with me as always is Fredo and Dave, the other members of the Who Dat Jedi Council. How are we doing, guys? Doing good. Doing good. Yeah. Doing okay. It is nice to get some rain. It is nice to get some rain. So problem is that here we got, uh, well, um, did either one of you guys go to Chewbacca's? Because the weather was not very parade friendly. It was, no, it was cold. No, I was talking, I was mentioning to a friend of ours uh, that um, everybody that I know that I that went to Chewbacca's went to the start of the parade which because the parades are rolling at seven o'clock, which you know probably gave you a bit warmer uh, experience than what we normally catch, which is towards the end of the parade run, right? and you get that wind tunnel effect going down to cater. So, I discretion being the better part of part of valor, I opted to stay home. It was cold. Yeah, we stayed home. I mean, we got an army of kids that were just begging to get sick at that point. So it was like, and and for anybody who's like not in this area, like COVID and flu and RSV are just going, running rampant in our community right now. So, well, uh, and, and of course we got, we have a uh, crew de vue on this coming Saturday and it looks like it's going to be rainy um, on Saturday. So, but at least it'll be like in the seventies. So um, I don't know. <clears throat> so we'll see what happens. But we are in, hey, <laughs> carnival season is cold, rain, some nice health, sickness. It's, you know, it's like your marriage vows. So, you know, it's like all those things rolled up into one. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, I will say this. Um, actually, Fredo and I were talking about it. this past weekend. Um, I went out to Galaxy's Edge with a couple of 501st friends. Um it's something we planned several months back because one of them had like they had a, a ticket that they had to use by the end of the year or by within a year or something like that. And so um, <clears throat> we went out, stayed off property. Um, but um, just the first day, we actually did a little bit of uh, uh, well, we dressed up, did a little cosplaying and stuff like that. Played the bounty hunter game, um, which. Uh, you know, that's what, so first of all, it's, it's like, it's, it's an addiction. All the, all the beeping, you know, and getting credits and everything like that. It was like, you had to get 20 bounties to join the bounty guild. And so after day one, after I had, you know, 12 on my first day, I was like, well, dang it, I got to get, you know, the other eight. So, you know, it's just, um, but it did look like a cool thing for like, you know, kids to do and stuff like that, that, you know, it doesn't cost any money. You just scan your magic band. It's basically a game of hot, cold, you kind of walk around and your magic band plus you need a magic band plus and it, um, kind of beeps faster and faster and faster as you get closer to your target. And then you use your phone to scan the, the doorway and you collect your bounty. And then you got to go to this, uh, um, creepy dude. Uh, it's a video screen, but a creepy dude to give you a He's the guild master. Um, but it, I mean, it was like I said, it was kind of fun. Um, but uh, yeah, just addictive. Um, rode, Which, we, by the way, we rode uh, Smuggler's Run 
and like a five-year-old kid was the pilot. Um, and actually, no, he was younger than five. He was probably th- three to four. And we we're getting on. And so it was like, and mom said, we're going to be pilots this time. And, you know, the three of us are like going, oh, this is going to be, we're going to throw up. I mean, and, but what ended up happening was that mom ended up, mom was in Chewy's seat and the kid was in Han's seat. And mom ended up like flying both sides of the Falcon. Oh, we crashed into everything, but it was, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. And the kid had a blast. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, that's the whole point. Right? But, but the best part was that one of the last times we, we wrote it, we went in and, um, you know, they have the Hondo Naka, um, uh, animatronic and halfway through his spiel, Hondo has a stroke. He just goes completely limp, just like he's talking and talking and talking all of a sudden. Pull. <laughs> and, and they hustled everybody out of the room. It was like, go to the front, everybody go. Because I, mean, I don't know, they didn't want kids to be traumatized because Hondo like had a stroke. He kept on talking, but it was, it was kind of funny. Then the next time we went in, there was a black sheet covering Hondo. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> sorry kids uh, I'm just taking a much needed break yeah um, but uh, so that was kind of fun like I said it was just no, we, we didn't do anything else except really hang around Galaxy's Edge um, the second day I went and I rode Tower of Terror a couple times but um, it was just just to kick around be nerds so but I was going to say uh, and I think that that's a smart thing that Disney knows I mean Disney knows how to develop parks and Bounty Hunter game is a great way to keep, you know, because you, how many rides you have at Galaxy Edge? You have two. Yeah, two. Those run rides of the resistance, but you still want everybody to stay in the in the land and go around and see everything, experience everything, and hopefully, nudge nudge, go go towards the merchandising tables and right. purchase something. So, what's a great way to do that? You give them a game. You have people running around. You have experiences. Again, Disney knows how to do their job in terms of making sure they keep you there and keep you excited. So one of the things I got to thinking about is um, what do you guys think the possibility of Hondo being in Skeleton Crew? He's obviously alive in the timeline, except for the, I mean, he survived the stroke he had at Galaxy's Edge when I was there because the next day he was fine. Um, But I mean, he's obviously alive in the timeline if Galaxy's Edge is, you know, time of the resistance and stuff like that so where skeleton crew is happening you know and this is there's going to be pirates so could they have hondo yeah yeah i see no reason why not i mean they'll be it's an interesting uh concept in terms of bringing him on board because you know he he doesn't make so much sense in some uh in in a show like a soap It doesn't make sense there, but it does make perfect sense with some like skeleton crew. Yeah, I agree. Um, that'd be a good way to fold him back in if they wanted to, but there's also, um, I mean, Bad Batch, right? He's floating about at that point. That you know, I wouldn't rule that one out either. Well, like I said, I mean, he's uh, and the it's cool because the the character that they have on the video screen in smugglers run is the guy who voiced hondo and they've got him in full makeup and he looks like hondo onaka so it doesn't they know we can do it um so i I think that would be a great character if they're gonna 
keep bringing back characters, but he's a good one. Um, and especially since he had this affinity for Ezra, um, that might be a way to get him into the, you know, the movies that are coming. So I don't know. It's part of his redemptive arc, really. Cause he was, I don't know. He would, I found him kind of obnoxious, uh, clone wars era. And, but by the time he turned back up in rebels, I was like, Oh no, at first. And then, but he quickly won me over. Yeah. And I was glad to have him. That was the first time I'd seen him was in Rebels. Um, and then when I went to Clone Wars, I was kind of I was kind of put off for a minute because he was really quite a baddie. I mean, <clears throat> you know, he wasn't the fun loving, you know I don't know. It, Hondo always seemed, you know, yeah, he had he had selfish intent in Rebels, but you know, it seemed like his heart, you know, won over, I don't know, you know, in rebels, but in, in clone wars, he seemed very much, you know, a baddie. So, um, I don't know. I think he'd be a good one to have in that, uh, in that show. It's kind of the Jack Sparrow of the star Wars universe, right? right? Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So like I said, played, played nerd. Um, but, uh, cool. Well, uh, tonight, actually, so what we're going to be talking about, um, yesterday we got a big old surprise. Not only did we get a trailer for Bad Batch Season 3, but we got all the dates, and we found out when all those are coming out, and it's sooner than we thought, and so we'll get to that in a little bit. First, we need to do trivia. All right. Let's see here. Shuffle the cards. All right. Uh, Dave, to you. Oh, softball. Who is the first character seen in The Empire Strikes Back? Who is the first character seen in The Empire Strikes Back? I think it's Luke Skywalker. It is Luke Skywalker. Yep. Can I get pedantic there for a moment? Technically speaking, isn't it the pro-droid? If we want to count the probe droid, this is, this is what I thought, you know. Like, uh, probably right. not yeah. what they meant. Yeah. I know, I know. Yeah. Like I said, no, push him the glasses up the nose and uh, let's get quite quite, uh, quite uh, pedantic about the answer. So there's another thing. Talk about an iconic sound. Oh, yeah. yeah. The chatter of the probe droid. Such an iconic sound in the Star Wars universe. It's... I mean, again, we we're, were talking about it this weekend. I said, I've said it on the show before that the thing that bothered me about the sequel trilogy is that the blasters didn't sound like a wrench hitting a wire, you know, didn't sound like the blasters from every other Star Wars movie. Um, so some of those, like I said, when we've talked about, I can take new characters and new stories and just totally new things as long as everything kind of looks and sounds like star wars so that was one of the sounds that really made a big impact on me as a child because like i would i would make that i would impersonate that droid i mean it's yeah it's just obviously we we both had the same rhythm there's a rhythm to what this yeah yeah, it's so um (laughs) Yeah, and Stephen, who we had on, you know, about the Galactic Star Cruiser, he said that there is actually um, 3D print models 
of probe droid and said somebody has made it and the thing is like huge so oh yeah that'd uh, be gigantic yeah so anyway all right so i digress um all right fredo to you what does darth maul control using a wristband comlink what does darth maul control using a wristband comlink they seem like they're tied these questions all right that's that's funny this is a totally different card yeah yeah no uh, i'm gonna go with probe droid as well Oh, it could be, uh, I could be a real jerk and say it's a Sith probe droid, but it is a probe <laughs> droid, yes. All right. Oh, come on. Did you not get a probe droid question? No. What's the largest creature seen in all six movies? Okay, well, actually, this is easy. It's the, I'll read it again, though, for a dramatic effect. What is the largest creature seen in all six movies? Uh, that's going to be the space slug. Mm-hmm. Yep, the big sock puppet. I was gonna actually go for the the big fish in uh, um, uh, Phantom Menace, uh, but yeah, no. Then I realized that forgot about the space slug. All right, hey, yep, two probe droids and a space slug. All right, well, let's move on to the first. Oh, and by the way, I said we're gonna be talking about Bad Batch, obviously, but then we're also gonna be talking about a video game that is maybe kind of linked it got it got dave's motor humming here uh when you know as we're seeing the trailer and stuff like that so we'll talk about dark forces a little bit as well um but first let's talk about bad batch season three um fredo do you have dates for when all that's coming out yes i do not nodding on an audio podcast does not help anybody just so you say well, uh, I feel that the that the people listening can hear and sense the nod. Yes, I have the date. So, uh, yeah, yesterday uh, we got not only the trailer for season three of Bad Batch. We got confirmation of that it's going to premiere February 21st. And what's interesting is it's a three episode premiere. So you're getting three episodes of a 15 episode season right out the gate, February 21st. And uh, you get a couple of days where you're gonna get two episodes and then the season finale will drop May 1st. So I can tell you the title, the episode titles if you like also, because it's interesting, they released all that uh before we get into that i'm sure you want to talk about some of what we saw in the trailer well i mean go ahead let's talk about the no talk about the the dates and uh the titles that's cool because i think that just kind of sets the stage a little bit i think that's fine okay okay so let's see february 21st you get uh season premiere confined paths unknown and shadows of tantus february 28th you get a different approach march 6th the return I'm guessing that might be Rex. I don't know. Uh, March 13th, you get two episodes, Infiltration and Extraction. March 20th, you get Bad Territory. March 27th, you get The Harbinger. April 3rd, you get two episodes again, uh, Identity Crisis and Point of No Return. 
And then after that, it's just an episode a week until the finale. So you go, Juggernaut, Into the Breach, Flash Strike, and the season finale on May 1st, The Cavalry Has Arrived. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I, as always, the titles really, I mean, they don't give away a whole lot. Um, I will say, uh, let's let's maybe skip to the uh, to the end here a little bit, because there was one in there that you said the return and you said you thought maybe Rex. Um, but I mean, I think I, the big thing that made everybody stand up and go, huh, was at the end of the trailer. Spoiler alert, everybody. If you are don't want to be spoiled by this, then turn off the podcast and listen later. But I mean, it's really not or go watch the trailer and then come back. Um, we all good. Okay. So at the end, Asajj Ventress is, is in the trailer and she's, so she's going to be in bad batch season three. Well, there's a couple things. First of all, Asajj Ventress was count Dooku's apprentice in the clone wars. Um, and then she kind of became a bounty hunter. And, but the big, uh, wiggity woo is that she's supposed to be dead because in the, the book dark disciple, um, which is a book, uh, that it was a storyline from uh, I think a couple arcs of Clone Wars that never got recorded or never got made. Um, but it's she teams up with Quinlan Voss and and Obi Wan Kenobi and to fight Count Dooku and um, Dooku is shooting Force lightning at one of them and she steps in and takes it and apparently gets killed and taken to Dathomir. Um, to be, uh, I suppose, buried or whatever. Um, but she's back. So, and StarWars.com actually, it was funny because I was watching um, Making Star Wars, um, Jason Ward's uh, podcast on, he was recording on Twitter, and I watched it last night. Um, and he pointed out that StarWars.com is getting out in front of this saying, don't worry. Asajj Ventress coming back will not get in the way of any previous previously written stories basically is what it says. So it's, it's all going to work. They did not, you know, retcon or negate the dark disciple. So, um, so no, let's just, so I guess let's talk about that. I mean, Asajj Ventress, why would we be bringing her back? What would, what would she add to the bad batch? Um, let's just talk a little bit. I have some ideas. Give but us I, your ideas. Okay. Well, I'm, <laughs> one, well, one is, and I've always said that I think bad batch is not, it's not the, the show is not about the bad batch. The show is a vehicle to, to do other things in the greater star Wars story. Um, and I think, by bringing, by bringing, by bringing in Asajj Ventress, who was, who was, who was a night sister. Um, and she's buried on Dathomir. Um, could this be the way that they explain? And I don't know how it all worked, but it, could this be how they explain, um, the witches of Dathomir being banished to Peridia that we saw in Ahsoka? Because that is the one thing that we're sitting there going, how did the Night Sisters get banished? Most of them were dead, but 
there, I'm, obviously there has to be some sort of resurrection that happens probably through night sister magic or something like that. Um, or there's some night sisters. Maybe it's the three that ended up on Peridia or what? Anyway, how did everybody get banished to Peridia? Maybe this is a way, maybe Ventress, uh, gets in the way of Palpatine or something and he gets mad and I don't know. That's one idea. Well, I, uh, I was going to say just right quick, it's interesting you're bringing Ventress back because the guy who's front and center and a lot of stuff is Palpatine. So, I mean, you haven't had, you know, the Bad Batch so far have shined in terms of being different because they haven't had any other Force stuff. This has been a show that outside of Order 66 at the very onset has not had to deal with Force-sensitive people, Jedi, Force users, any of that stuff. So except for now, Palpatine's going to be there. So you figure you get out somebody who's willing to uh, take him on or maybe somebody who's able to oppose them on that level and it can't be uh, Hunter, Record, or you know, any of our guys, you know. So maybe bringing Ventress in. Now, of course, they say that nothing in Darkest South was getting retconned, but let's also be fair. We just saw the sisters, the Night Sisters, bring back from the dead a whole slew of stormtroopers on in Peridia. So who knows what kind of state we're going to um, assage Ventress. But it is interesting, you know. I just, I, I think it's an, no, put it this way, the natural reaction is just to be excited. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, I think if we get any sort of like uh, explanation, it would be brief. Um, maybe a couple lines here at the end of an episode or something to get us all excited. And then next week's show, they drop it entirely, you know, um, like that kind of thing. But um, I would, I would, I, I guess like if there were, if we were to put odds on it, I'd, I'd say the odds are pretty decent that. It might tie in with, if not the 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 situation in Ahsoka, at least the Night Sisters in some general way. Um, and um, the thing about her character, though, is if we're, if we're going to sit here and sort of analyze, like, why her? Mm-hmm. Um, she's more of a um, anarchist, for lack of a better term. By by this point, I think, like. Um, by the end of her her run in in Clone Wars, um, she had felt wronged and discarded, as as these characters are wont to do on the dark side. They tend to get discarded. Um, now, what's interesting? And, sorry, I'm just hold yeah. that thought just because what's interesting is in and I haven't read Dark Disciple. I just got a little bit of mm-hmm. bit you know yesterday doing some research, but um, Quinlan Voss and Obi Wan Kenobi call her a friend to the Jedi. So yes, mm-hmm. an anarchist, but she has an interesting arc for a baddie. Uh, she's complicated to be sure, but keep on going. Yeah, no, like by the end of Clone Wars, like she is actively helping them, but you don't really know if she has a different objective in mind than they do um, other than revenge. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, I use the term anarchist because she will introduce this level of unpredictability to a story. And she's kind of a wild card. Um, 
And I would anticipate that would be her role in this. Like, what if um, we saw Cad Bane in the trailer? Yeah, we did. What if Cad Bane gets pulled in to oppose our heroes so they feel like they need to bring in some extra muscle? And, oh, by the way, she's available. We our circles have uh, in, have uh, have uh, been come intertwined with hers and she's she's willing to help you know um a kind of evener of the odds uh situation potentially um but like i said like i would almost be disappointed if she wasn't just inserting the, the those those crumbs of doubt in your in your mind at various points like wait a minute is she she being honest here do we do we think we can trust her you know like that sort of thing so the other interesting thing this is my other thought um and this is kind of tinfoil hat and all the yarn from you know picture to picture on the on the whiteboard um but with her connection to quinlan voss and quinlan voss being name dropped in um obi-wan kenobi as being one of the people who helped Jedi get, you know, on the path, you know, the, you know, basically shuttling Jedi after order 66. Um, and I've said for a long time that I think Omega is force sensitive. So could is maybe Asajj Ventress is involved in the path, you know, trying to get Jedi working with Quinlan Voss to get, you know, Jedi, you know, safe and secure. And maybe she's the one that's going to be getting Omega to where she needs to be, you know, safe and sound away from the empire. Yeah. Thoughts. Because it's interesting. We don't, we don't see either a Saj Ventress nor Omega again in the story. I mean, so at some point they have to, disappear from the stage so to speak because they're not in and they can certainly film. disappear and then come back like for dave filoni's movie anyway just <laughs> that, that's well, a stretch keep keep on going ahsoka, no but ahsoka season two maybe you know again we're talking about the night sisters they're gonna be an elder no uh, a certain grand admiral's headed towards dathomir so the idea of uh you know maybe finding Asajj there and her adult uh and a padawan omega there as well it does bring an interesting question do you think that omega is going to be separated from the bad batch do you think the bad batch is going to have to almost kind of like go on a suicide mission of what were the sacrifice themselves but she gets away free what were the last couple of uh titles last couple of titles were into the breach flash strike and the cavalry has arrived but there was one like point of no return or something like, I don't know. Yeah. Point of, yeah, yeah, point of no return. Uh, just totally, totally guessing right there. But, but it's kind of like when you're watching football and it's like, you know, number 65 has, you know, reported as eligible. Mm -hmm. It's like the immediate thing is like, okay, why did we bring in somebody as, okay, we're probably doing a run play because we need another big guy who can block and then potentially maybe catch it. So it's like, they're not going to bring in a Saz Ventress just cause there's several yeah. characters from the clone wars that you could bring back. So why 
this one and why in particular a force like you said Fredo we haven't seen really any have we seen any Jedi in Bad Batch, Bad Batch? no not for um, listeners check us if we're wrong but I mean so then why it's... do you bring you know why do you bring in a force wielder into a story that hasn't hasn't really needed one you know that's the thing it's like so i mean i mean yeah you're right we got cad bane coming back we got um fennec shand is coming back after being gone for a season um you know <laughs> i just looked up the answer uh to the are there any jedi question caleb doom in episode one and that's basically it order 66, order 66 yeah yeah, yeah. So you see what so, I mean? It's like that. Those are the kind. That's why I start thinking. It's like, oh, you know, some are just like, oh, it's a neat cameo, and it's like, okay, but they're it, there's they're just not going to bring back a character from the dead, you know, just cause. So I don't know. That's why I got spinning on that. Well, I do think like there's merit in the idea of they you bring her back to do more with her. You don't bring her back for a three-episode arc in the Bad Batch and then kill her off again, right? Um, so, like that much, I I'm 100% in agreement on. You know, are we gonna are we gonna see tie-ins in Ahsoka? You know, or is it gonna be Night Sister stuff and Dathomir stuff? It's like I don't know. I mean, maybe, probably, possibly. I don't know. And of course, but the, it's fun, it is fun to speculate. Yeah, the big question also is what are they what are they doing? You know, what are they doing on Tantus? You know, what are they doing with? I mean, it's obviously a cloning program. You know, for a long time, I've said they're they're trying to you know. Well, we know in Rise of Skywalker that we're trying to develop a force sensitive clone. You know, I mean, so uh, and it was actually kind of interesting. You know everybody was saying you know the the at least the the podcast that i w- or listen to and the video reactions stuff like that they said um hey if if this stuff makes rise of skywalker better by explaining the exegol stuff you know and all the the cloning things that palpatine palpatine was wanting to do to make sure he lived forever awesome that's why i've always said bad batch is not necessarily a story about clones you know, this group of clones, it's a vehicle to kind of connect some dots. Um, and I'm okay with that. But, um, so what, I mean, what do we, what do we think is going on? Because Palpatine has an interesting line in the trailer. He says, basically, if this is what we need to do to secure the success of the empire, then you get everything you need. I don't know. What'd you, what'd you think of that line? By the way, Ian McDermott, which was awesome. So, (laughs) <laughs> yeah and, uh, like whenever you see the emperor just like pop up and two like the stakes are higher now right um our, our our heroes are in more danger just by his presence um so uh yeah i i think um i agree with you 100 percent on the idea of if you're going to do a show um, be, um, centered around clones, that it that it makes a lot of sense 
to start talking about cloning in Star Wars and what that looks like and where are you going to see it in other ways and how does this stuff tie in and like who are the cloners and what's their story and and getting more backstory there and um, all of these things are are logical progressions from that because that's pretty unmined territory um, like when when we all saw well, when we all heard about the Clone Wars when we were kids, we're like, what, what is that all about? And then um, Attack of the Clones was the name of episode two. And we're like, well, oh, my gosh, we're going to get the Clone Wars. Like what? what you know, clones, you know, we're going to learn more about the clones and we're going to find all this stuff out. And I don't know that they've necessarily delivered on that promise really to this point i'm sorry i just had and this is related to what you're talking about because we're talking about clones i just had a thought as you were talking ahsoka all the caskets that are being loaded onto a star destroyer we all just assumed what those were there are in this storyline in the Bad Batch. I'm going to get back, and it's getting back to what I was talking about earlier. In the Bad Batch, there are still a lot of clones serving the Empire. Whole bunch. They haven't systematically wiped them all out. What if? What what if is in those caskets are dead clones or? clones in hibernation or something maybe palp that's what palpatine did to get rid of everybody and thrawn discovers them and brings them back and do we have a whole army of zombie clones i i know this is sounding totally goofy but i mean point i mean and i think this is what makes this this is turning this show into something more interesting this is no longer like you're saying the story of just the Bad Batch. It's not just a story of these four, five, six characters that we've gotten to know over the last two seasons. This is now a story that has tie-ins not only to everything that came before it, but also seems to have ramifications and impacts on the story going forward. On everything we're going to see, whether it's Ahsoka Season 2, whether it's the Mando uh, verse movie that Dave Filoni is making, it's, it seems like it's going to be laying a lot of the groundwork to connect everything from this period to the sequel trilogy and everything in between. That's what makes it a bit interesting and also a bit daring that they're willing to do it here. They're not doing it on a skeleton crew. They're not doing it on on something like even the Acolyte, you know, a, a live action show. They tell you when it's time to do your summer reading, you go, how does this all tie in? You got to go back and see this animated, animated kids show from a few years back and get to know these characters and then you'll see how it all connects. God, there's a lot there, right? Um, and we we didn't even we haven't uttered the name Snoke yet, right? But like obviously that's a big piece of this puzzle too. Um, I have my thoughts about dark forces and dark troopers and we're going to get into that in a few minutes probably. Um, but it's regardless of like the payoff on all of that and i'm trying to again like temper expectations because it feels like 
the way with Star Wars is give you a little bit and then give you more questions. And um, so we're pro that's probably going to be what we get. We're going to get a little bit and then like, well, wait, now I have, you know, 50 more questions. So now what? And then that roll credits. Um, so I, that would be my like point of caution with all of this, but it is so much fun. This is what makes Star Wars fun is like thinking about these things. Like what, what you, you were talking about, like, um, these, all these caskets, like what's in those caskets? We don't know. Right. What if it's like a Sith burial ground? This is an army Norma. of Sith, right? Um, like, go wild with that, you know? Like, now suddenly uh, you've got yeah, I mean, uh, Luke Skywalker and Grogu against an army of Sith. I mean, I mean, yes, that would be that would be absolutely. But again, my my point is that the we have some missing pieces of puzzles and we've talked about this like what the hell happened to all of the clones mm -hmm. that is still something we don't have an answer for um and so i that's why I, if i was to put my money down i like probably gonna be totally wrong it's probably gonna be a bunch of little grogu's or noki or whatever um but you know but but that is one of those <laughs> things where i hadn't thought about it until just now it's like there's Again, how did the Night Sisters and why did the Night Sisters, those three at least, we know there are three that got banished. How and why? Um, what's in all those caskets? And I never thought that they could explain that within the Bad Batch, but maybe they will. You know, I think that's, yeah, you're right. It's fun to speculate. I have no, it's just, it's one of those things where it's, it seemed like a logical step, you know, Um and like I said, maybe there were clone troopers who maybe, like I said, banished and they all died there. And I don't know, I don't know whatever. Um, My money's on uh, half-witted, half-formed Snokes. It's just uh, like, uh, you know, like there's zombified Snokes. That's, that's zombie all Snokes! Zombie Snokes! <laughs> no, I was going to say, you know, you know, we haven't had, and, and I'm not sure I haven't checked the and then recently in legends there's used to be this planet called Korriban. It was one of those ancient Sith planets where all these tombs of these Sith Lords would go and you know, whenever you play whether it's Knights of the Republic or even some of the more recent games even included Korriban up to a point where it'd be a planet where you go and have to traverse through these tombs of Sith Lords and encounter all this dark side stuff. So it wouldn't surprise me, you know, if you told me, okay, a lot of those caskets are all ancient Sith, you know, force users, all that other stuff. At some at some point, we we've come to understand that the idea of the force is something that not everybody gets, but it's something that everybody wants on their side. And it's interesting that whereas, say, somebody like Thrawn is hitching his wagon, so to speak, to the Night Sisters the move that Palpatine chose to do was, okay, I want to live forever. Uh, I could do that through the tragedy of Dark Plagues of the Wise, but maybe I can do it through cloning. So, and we know, the thing is, we know that at some point it works because somehow Palpatine returned and he's wielding Force Lightning at the end of episode nine. So we know that he's got his uh, Force powers with him 
you know, as a clone. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting how they how they traverse it because it's not a story being told in one in one show or one book or one through line. It's being you're getting pieces here and a piece there and a big storybook here and a moment there. So I wonder, like at some point, it's all gonna have to fit seamlessly, like a Lego set of Legos being put together. So anything you, you asked? Oh, go ahead, uh, go ahead, Dave. Well, no. Briefly, you asked earlier if uh, if you think uh, our girl will end up with the Bad Batch at the end of this Omega, and mm -hmm. I think no. Um, I don't think they they're they're going to get that sort of happy ending, but um, I do think they'll get her out of there. Um, and where she ends up, you know, like you said, like on the run in, in hiding, it, that doesn't sound like the worst potential outcome for her. The other thing that we saw that's interesting, there was a shot of Crosshair with Hunter. So at some point, you know, because we saw from early on that, you know, Crosshair is stuck, you know, in that facility and he's not having a good time. So it's going to be interesting how they bring him back into the fold. And that's the other thing that, you know, Lost in all this, and this is what Aaron's bigger point is, lost in all this, unfortunately, there is a story of these characters who've lost one of their brothers, have one of their brothers betrayed them, and now they're like, they got to go rescue their little sister, and they have no help whatsoever around them to, that they can call upon, because, you know, Peck went off his way, uh, Rex is out doing his own thing, he got betrayed at the end of last season, so well, it's know. very much, uh, they're very much now on their own and that's that's usually from what we've seen of the clones when they're on their own they're the most vulnerable you know and it's before we then we can well i have i want to say this then i have a one last question that we can merge to the dark forces stuff um but um you know it's it, it rogue one for example was not I mean, the the overall i suppose goal of rogue one was not to tell the story of this crew it was about how did the, how did the rebels get the death star plans that was the purpose of that movie you know in the in the telling of that movie you grow very you know close to cassian andor and jen urso and all the others in that crew but you're not going to you're not going to know everything about Bodie Rook because at the end of the day it wasn't about Bodie Rook. Um so again the bad batch and a lot of people have been critical of the bad batch that it's just kind of, you know, I don't know, seems to be without purpose, you know, almost and but it's like the again, I've always said the overall purpose of this show is to, you know, kind of bridge the gap of other storylines because otherwise star Wars is very herky jerky, you know? Um, so, so I do think that, so anytime we, I think when you say temper expectations, you know, if we get a, something that's going to be called, you know, Lando, is it necessarily going to be about Lando or is it going to be to serve some other purpose in the overall story and Lando is just the vehicle to do that. I mean, that can kind of stay rhetorical. My other question I just wanted to say was, um, um, anything else in the trailer that caught your eye? Like, Oh, cool. Or, Oh, wow. Um, 
uh, uh, what you might call um, uh, Republic Commandos. And if you don't know, again, we've watched lyrically in past episodes about Republic Commando video game, and I believe that character that we see that's leading the defense of, uh, of the clone facilities is Scorch from the video game, which is what a turn. I did not expect that from him, but I'll leave that there for those of you who played the video game, you'll get what I'm saying. Fredo, I'm, uh, I've started playing the game upon your reflection or, or your recommendation, and I've, mm-hmm. uh, I've been enjoying it so far. It's interesting. No, I was just going to say it's a fun game, and uh, you can totally tell it's an early to mid-aughts video game, very much influenced by everything from Call of Duty to some of the other Battlefront, some of the other stuff that was out there and popular at the time, but really well done. Just, that's, that's all I'll say. Yeah, it was it was fun that they bring those that character from that piece into this because yeah, I'll, I'll say I'll just say I'll just say it's it's interesting and I'm kind of glad that they did that because it means hey, it's not dead. <laughs> they popped up here and there in Clone Wars. It's it's another little detail. I'll say. I think um, the thing that really jumped out at me was um, Omega and Crossfire. Um, crosshair crosshair um crossing paths and and just i don't he's i think he's so important to this story he's been the most interesting character since day one and i think like he's going to ultimately have to make the sacrifice play um and i think that that's where his story ends because he doesn't have a place we've been sometimes we've been harsh on this series and oh what's the point etc um but the the point is these people that are basically soldiers that have to reintegrate into society and 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 so what does that look like for different individuals some people cannot do it um and that's going to be his reality um and 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 i'm thinking like the sort of redemptive arc for him um we sort of have seen bits and pieces of that already and i think like we'll see that come to a conclusion and it will be just utterly heartbreaking uh because he is such a fascinating damaged person and um and so like yeah just watching this i'm like oh god oh god oh god he's yeah like it's it's not going to end well for him right but again i think that's going to be in pursuit of something bigger and that's where they this is where all those characters are going to kind of find their meaning and purpose at least in the short term is like get her out rescue her she's what matters um and then i think like maybe the other two can can kind of find something beyond above and beyond that um hopefully um i i would i would take more from the series if they did by the end of it uh, if they, if we if if we saw kind of a postscript and we saw that they were living their lives elsewhere um i would i would appreciate that just right quick because you mentioned about that we also got to see wolf in the mm-hmm. trailer which mm-hmm. is interesting because we'll see him down the line Rebels. later 
in Rebels. So to your point about the clones as soldiers finding themselves a life beyond their service, life beyond the military, life beyond war. He's a good example of one that eventually does in a kind of weird way do that and then has to go back into it. So it's interesting that, yeah, he's back also. Wouldn't it be cool if the clones who turned on the Jedi are somehow also involved in this path in saving Jedi? Wouldn't that be kind of a redemption story? Um, but all that, Dave, how does all this, uh, how is it you think, how do you think it relates to a late 90s video game? Well, um, to, to get into that, I think I should give the, you know, three minute summation of what we're even talking about here um, for the uninitiated. Um, so Dark Forces um, was a video game that came out in 1995. And even though this doesn't really encompass it fully, it was essentially Star Wars meets Doom. And so if you know what Doom is, great. You know exactly what I'm talking about right off the bat. If you don't know what Doom is, um, Doom was basically the first hugely, hugely successful first-person shooter video game. And it came out in 93, I think, and circa early 90s was the game. It was everywhere. It was it was doom this, doom that, doom everything. And so LucasArts, in their wisdom, thought maybe we should try to graft a Star Wars story onto a doom sort of experience and create what is, in essence, a Doom clone. Now, Doom clone, I'm using air quotes here, is kind of its own genre in video games because, like, they're notorious. For, for years, the industry was dominated by Doom and all the clones. <laughs> And so, and we're, and we're not talking about clone troopers here, everybody listening. We're talking about <laughs> like basically copies of the video game. Yeah. What did you say, Fredo? Duke Nukem. Oh, which was yeah. like, yeah, Doom, Quake, Duke Nukem. If you were video gaming in the mid to late 90s, first person shooters were everywhere. I mean, even more so than uh, everybody calls, talks about Call of Duty now, but back then, Doom, Doom 2, Doom 3, Quake. I mean, they, they, there's a whole department of IT specialists who still have nightmares about the 90s and computer labs getting taken over by those games. It was basically a decade or so there where it was Doom and all of the clones. And then it took, it took nearly 10 years for uh, other games to sort of like emerge from those shadows and, and and establish themselves in a way that was really impactful and important uh half-life halo um golden eye to a lesser degree uh metroid prime um first person experiences that like built off of what doom had originally um achieved um so, like, 
everything for a long time was and again this isn't like derogatory though it sounds sort of derogatory the term doom clone um but everything for the longest time was just this is fun but it's not quite doom but it's fun and so like that was sort of where dark forces landed in 1995 in, in trying to duplicate Doom's success. But I'm here to say it wasn't just a Doom clone. And I think we can begin to sort of appreciate its place in history better once we recognize that. Um, I got a list here of some things that it managed to do um, that sort of set it apart from a lot of the competition at the time. Um, I think it's an important game for those reasons but i also think it's an important game because of the um story elements the characters the um the impact that it that it had because circling back to like why we're sort of trying to connect these two things and then we'll see how effective we are in that discussion um connect this with current star wars um the dark troopers amongst several other elements um that were introduced here came about because of dark forces this is where the that came from if you remember at the towards the end of mandalorian season two it's like who who are they fighting here who what are these creepy leaking uh, troopers that uh, Moff Gideon is commanding here. Like, what's going on? Why Luke Skywalker's mowing these uh, these uh, um, these evil-looking dark troopers down? But like, what are they? Where did they come from? What is this all about? Um, the the seed of that story element started with dark forces, and so like I think like like I said because I think it it's sort of it manages to achieve something that's not merely doom clone. And because um, parts of uh, story elements that it introduced are still active in Star Wars canon, I think it's an important thing to talk about and look at and, and, and experience for people. Um, and so like, this was sort of my take on it and um I may open the floor here for general impressions and thoughts um, and lasting impact. We're going to go into some more of that. There was a lot. Um, there were sequels. There were offshoots. There were there were things that came about because this game existed. Um, but yeah, I, I, I recently replayed the game. And the other thing, too, real briefly, it's about to be re-released. Um, this is this is meant to be a semi-timely discussion. Dark Forces is being re-released at the end of February, um, and it with new graphics, updated graphics, prettied up, remastered. Um, On what platform? Um, several PlayStation, PC, Switch, I think. Um, let me see if I have the list here. But yeah, I open the floor. Yep, it's PC, PlayStation, both four and five. 
Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S, Nintendo Switch. Yeah, it's yeah. So uh, I'll I'll just kind of mention briefly my my own story, my own history with the game, because yeah, I mean, uh, so Dark Forces comes out in 1995. When I just remember playing it in my friend's college uh, buddy uh, uh, Mac, <laughs> in his Mac uh, in his dorm room, because again, this this was back when everybody was playing Doom. Doom 2, Quake. Uh, what was interesting is much like much like kind of like we're talking about uh Bad Batch, the first Dark Forces game was just a straight up uh, uh first person shooter. There was almost no force. You are a mercenary working for the rebellion who is infiltrating um Imperial uh facilities to obtain plans, to sabotage or do in a way, it's a lot similar in nature to Andor. What, what we saw in Andor, uh, particularly in the middle of the season where they're planning uh, heists and they're planning missions and they're infiltrating, and they're creating chaos. Yeah, that's what Dark Force is all about. The whole idea around it, though, centers on the concept of this dark trooper project, this idea that the Empire, some person or some general in the Empire has of okay, we're going to take the standard stormtrooper and we're going to mechanize it. We're going to make it something that's smarter, deadlier, that doesn't get tired, doesn't need to be fed, can go from cold storage to killing rebels in no time. So, and uh, it was fun because you got to see Boba Fett, you got to see Jabba the Hutt, you got to go to Coruscant before, <laughs> before everybody even had seen Coruscant in the movie. So a lot of the story elements that uh, we'll get to later on, you know, in the saga, kind of emerge out of here just because, you know, LucasArts said, okay, everybody's liking those first-person shooting games. Let's make one of our own. Aaron, you said that you'd played it. Um, Very little. I had I had it, and quite honestly, it was like, didn't have the patience to uh, constantly load the, you know, load the game on my computer and, you know, I was lazy, so <laughs> I'm gonna be be honest. Yeah, and I'll yeah, and I was never really into the first person shooter. But the reason why I got it was exactly what you know you said. Fredo was like, "Oh, okay, cool. This is you know Doom, but it was it was Star Wars, so it made me interested." But uh, and when you don't have a machine that is gonna be able to you know truck hard enough to make it play well you know like i said just ended up collecting dust quite honestly yeah um and i think like that was um a hurt a real hurdle at the time that a lot of people don't necessarily experience today like i guess if you're into pc gaming um you run into limitations and difficulty installing and things of that nature but like back in the day that was that was it, man. Like you had to figure these things out, and you're sitting there yeah, with much, your little floppy disks. And... It's much more a, a level playing field today because you know it's like, yeah, I mean, it's going to be coming out on all the different platforms. Um, computers are also on a more even playing field because I had a Mac at the time, so that was even you know at, at that point it was even more of a you know wasn't as high performing as like my brother-in-law's uh you know pc so 
yeah so like i said it's a it's a much different world now i mean i'll, I'll just say i'll just say real quick before dave continues uh well you know one of the things i remember particularly towards the latter levels because if you remember with a lot of the uh the doom clones is you would get the same background elements just refreshing and repeating so it's quite easy to develop motion sickness if you're just staring at this wall that just keeps the same pixels reappearing over and over but faster and faster so that did happen to me with some of the ladder levels when uh when you're infiltrating some of those bases and you're like and of course the other half which, which i'm sure if you play doom you know trying to find the wall with the button get you going to the next part of this of the level you're like right at the end i can't go any further i can't go back did i miss a key no you gotta hit just right again for a lot of uh, modern day gamers you just don't realize how much a lot of the development back then was trial and error and a lot of times you didn't know there was an error until everybody was playing it at home so where are your thoughts dave about how this works into the bad batch so like also i will say this like um the motion sickness thing is real um, because there was an exaggerated bobbing motion too. And if you haven't played this thing in a while, the guy's got it like his gun and his gun is like going up and down, up and down, up and down. And like, as if to simulate him sort of walking, but like I said, it, it, they, they, they made it too intense. So like that that's a thing and the visuals are ugly as sin um because like if you go back and you play this today you're going to be like what is going on this is so ugly why did people how do how did people play this i don't even understand um all of that needs to be acknowledged up front i went back and i played this thing on steam um because it almost every game you can think of is available on steam um and I thought, goodness, it's been 30 years since I played this thing. So let me go back and see, you know, is it any good? Well, 29 years, I guess. Technically not quite 30 yet. We're, we're creeping up on 30, though. Um, but to answer your question, um, the Dark Trooper part of, piece of this, like, makes me think, like, like we're going, we're dealing with clones we're dealing with cloning technology. We're dealing with stormtroopers. We've seen dark troopers make an appearance um, so far in the series. Um, again, like within the context of the game, it was more oriented around the idea that these were synthetic beings, and it was the synthetic that was elevating their performance. Um, but I think they sort of back wrote that in 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 in, um, in the sequels. And as you went along in the in the story, your main character became force sensitive. And the engine that they established here developed into a force sensitivity uh, ability to play as a Jedi, which was not something that we'd really scene at least not from a like a first person slash third person behind the shoulder perspective where you feel like you're the jedi um we had super star wars and a few you know 
um, a few other things where you maybe got to sort of play around a little bit with those ideas. But th what they established here, they built off of that and they developed it into um, a storyline which allowed you to take over that sort of role. Um, and, and you were able to do it in a way that um, predated um, Knights of the Old Republic and some of the other games that would come along after the fact that we look at now as being like, wow, that was that's one of those all-time great Star Wars um, games, and it's because you can do Force Lightning or you can do the Super Jump or throw your lightsaber at people. Um, all of those things came out of this. This is where that started. Um, and again, like this game, the very first game in the series, you weren't force sensitive. You were a guy with a gun. You got a, a few guns to, to, to cycle through. And, and as you went along, your artillery increased, the, the strength of the enemies increased. Um, but these dark troopers would come at you like so-and-sos. Like it was just, it's intense. Um, <laughs> it was like firing missiles at your head and everything and just and like you'd see one and it, it looked like the terminator like half formed you know coming at you like the t you know like arnold schwarzenegger without his face um you know there's just like whoa you know freak out moments galore mm -hmm. um and the gory aspect of it the horror aspect of it i think like when these things pop back up in the canon i was all i was here for it because like that that left an indelible mark on me originally playing those games like when when they show up in mandalorian i'm like oh my god yes i this is this is it this is the stuff right here these guys these guys mean business they're scary um you don't want to mess with them and, and here's why here's how i know because i have dealt with them personally it was me um and so, like, that long-winded way of saying, when we look at Bad Batch right now, and we're talking about cloning and force sensitivity and troopers and things, I go immediately into this area of Moff Gideon, dark troopers, and creating an army, so to speak. Maybe not an army of undead, yet but an army of force sensitive individuals yeah i'll say that I mean, this is and you bring up a two interesting points Dave, that are quite true one the first game has a way more of a horror feel to it than any of the sequels just because i mean in, in you are very much when you play and we've gone about this game, the character he plays called Kyle Katar. You know, they actually, what's funny is they actually do take him out of the video games and insert him into the novels. Like he's a character that you, whose story you follow in the expanded universe and the legends universe in the New Jedi Order novels. He's part, he's taken out, you know, part with Luke and Leia and Han and, the, and he comes out of these video games. Uh, but yeah, the first game, he was just a guy with a gun. Very smart guy, very competent uh, agent of the, uh, of the rebellion, but he's just a guy with a gun. And he's discovering this almost Dr. Frankenstein level horror project 
that the Empire's involved in, which, let's face it, you would expect the Empire to be involved. The sequels, though, once they start giving him hours and a, you know, particularly like the first one, because it goes Dark Forces, then it goes Dark Forces 2, Jedi Knight. And I think somewhere by the sequel, they go, the Jedi Knight thing is the thing that people let it on to, because it's the first time you get skill trees, you know, the idea of light side powers and dark side powers comes out of here. The idea that you could design your own lightsaber in a video game. The idea that you could level up as a Jedi and learn how to do stuff, which the game will require you to do in order to achieve certain metrics, reach certain levels. You know, the idea that you could you know, lightsaber duel a, a bad guy or a villain in your in your path. You know, a lot of that stuff make, takes it out of the horror element because let's face it, the Jedi are not going to be scared out of anything. You can put a Jedi in the middle of like, you know, Dr. Frankenstein's level. They're going to be like, eh, we can deal with this. But a normal, regular Joe Schmo is going to be uh, freaking out. They don't freak out. So, uh, but it's such an interesting element that this story kind of goes from your standard first-person shooter doom clone. And once it finds its way to giving you force powers and a lightsaber, this you know, the whole series change. And it goes through three more games. And the other thing that's interesting, you could you could tell how gaming kind of shifts from the first game to say maybe that Jedi Knight 2. Because in the first game, it's very much a LucasArts animated uh, game where you're getting cutscenes that are all animated, meaning they're all cell shaded. It's a lot like, say, um, Return of Monkey Island or Grim Fandango or those kind of LucasArts video games, the early 90s stuff or Full Throttle. Whereas by the mid to late 90s, Jedi Knight, Jedi Knight 2, you're getting animated cutscenes with people dressed in really poor costumes. And <laughs> let's, I'll be fair, the level of acting here is somewhere between uh, community theater and, you know, it's, you know, an off, 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 off to the 27th power Broadway. You know, it's not, it's not the greatest. Let, let, I'll be I'll be kind of say that it, it's very stilted. Uh, I mean, you get Mary Jade in, in Jedi Knight and uh, Dark Forces too, so it's always like, oh, Mary Jade's here. They they're they're even back then they're like finding ways to kind of bring all these elements of the expanded universe together. Uh, but it's it's really inter- it's an interesting series because the moment they make that switch to here you go, you're a Jedi, here's a lightsaber. Level up your force powers, the horror just goes away because it really you can't really tell tell me that the Jedi is gonna get scared here. So, but it's but it's a lot of fun and and geez, wasted so many hours on Jedi too, just leveling up that tree. So if we don't get like the specific, you know, dark trooper story elements here, I kind of suspect we might, we may not. Um, I think it's like that horror element. And I think like cloning by its very nature sort of like goes into that. Like there's this idea behind it. It's a very primal idea of no, there's one me. I don't want there to be more me's out there. Um, and it really sort of affects your perspective on things to just be, have that viewpoint attacked like, Oh, there's the possibility that there could be more use and here they are um or 
oh, we're just going to graft evil onto evil incarnate and robotics onto a stormtrooper to make them more powerful and actually scary as opposed to the misfiring goofs that we all know and love. Um, there's a lot of like creep show elements going on in the undertones of this. And so this game like was swimming in the deep end with some of this stuff. Like you didn't see this in mainstream star Wars, not to mention the fact this was like the dead period. Right for Star Wars, when this game came out, um, yeah, it was a Doom clone, but yeah, it was Star Wars content in 1995 when we had virtually nothing else. Um, you know, the prequels wouldn't come along until 1999, the special editions, not till 97. Um, we had the books and some role-playing games and those super nintendo games um other than that it was pc gaming and we we'd seen some flight simulators that were pretty cool um, mm -hmm. but this was something else this was and again like this is one of the reasons that it was not just a doom clone to me um it it incorporated polygons in a really good way, like better than we'd seen to that point. Um, the surfaces were more detailed. Um, you had a ship that would fly in during gameplay. You're just, you know, chugging along and you're like, I need a pickup, you know, because my mission's over. Your ship would come down in. And it was one of these polygon looking like um, Star Fox looking ships. But it was like incorporated into the game while you're running around with your gun. And so like, that was really cool in advance for the time. Um, you had the ability to look up and down with your gun and point your gun at targets above you and below you. That was not a thing like doom. It was straight ahead. That was it. And you could strafe and, and, but you couldn't look up or down. Like that was a thing. Now you can suddenly do this. Um, Dark Forces uh, introduced puzzle elements. You were talking about sometimes it was mystifying. You're like, oh, I got, I need this key that I got from this Imperial officer to decode this puzzle at this other end of this maze. And it's like there were times where you're like, wait, I got to go look this up. I don't know what I'm doing here. Um, but it indicated a more cerebral approach to this stuff, which wasn't always the case with shooters because it was just mostly bang bang and kill as many people as you can at that time so like they were doing attempting to do something more with it and then again the honest to goodness story um which is why the horror elements sort of worked as well as they did they were able to build them up they were telling you the story as you went along and you were like they're developing these creep show troopers. They're going to try to kill you. You've got to shut this program down. And oh, by the way, they're going to want to kill you. They're going to kill you, right? Um, and above and beyond this idea of blow everything up, shoot everything that moves, um, you're dealing with story. <laughs> and with like Doom, it was like, go to hell, kill the bad guys. 
and get home. Like that was it. And then like every Doom clone, it was kind of the same thing. And with Dark Forces, it was freaking story. It was a story. And like I can tell you a hundred percent this was pretty advanced stuff for the time that it came out because I just replayed this game and I really enjoyed the story elements here. Um, I've been trying to put these sorts of games in context. I've been going back and I've been playing older stuff and trying to figure out like, well, what, what led to what led to what, why is so-and-so important, et cetera, et cetera. And this game told a story. And again, with horror elements that were really sort of impactful and story elements that ultimately current story creators decided we should draw from that. That's still valuable. That's, that's valid. What they were doing then is cool or interesting. Let's riff on that. Let's use that. And I just think like that's the ultimate compliment. And here we are in 2024 still talking about this game that's 29 years old now um and again if somebody wants is like they hear this discussion they think oh i'd like to go maybe go check it out it's gonna be ugly as tin maybe wait for the re-release that's coming out at the end of february um it'll be a little bit better i know that much um but they're doing stuff in this game they were not doing in Doom. And like I said, Half-Life, um, Halo, those, those sorts of immersive story-driven experiences. I, I honestly feel like Dark Forces did it first. Maybe not quite as well. Um, maybe not as pretty a game. Um, but like here it here it is man i went back and i played this thing and i was like what <laughs> i was waiting for it to, for it to just be this ugly thing that was just rudimentary as heck and like i was gonna be like nope 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 not worth your time not worth anybody's time and instead i really enjoyed it I really enjoyed re revisiting it and um for Aaron and for others who are like, well, I'm not sure. I didn't really like it the first time around. Um, I can't promise you that it'll be any better this this go around. Um, but for people who are sort of interested in video game history, interested in Star Wars history, um, haven't experienced this game, uh, it might be worth your while to check it out here in another month or so. Well, it'll be interesting to see if any of those elements do make it into the current, whether it's Bad Batch or Ahsoka or anything like that. So it'll be cool. So, Fredo, uh, did you have anything else to add? Uh, no, uh, no, and I think, uh, but I think that the, the warning you kind of give is probably the best. Wait for the remaster because the reality is you are talking about 30 year old game and. You know, th there is some charm to classic video games. You know this better than I do. Actually, both do in terms of when you play something from the heyday of the 80s and you get 8-bit eight eight -bit quality glory and it's just, there's something warm and comforting about it. 
when you think back to gaming in the 90s, there was such an upheaval because computing power is now getting in the hands of people who could, in their garages, in their spare bedroom, in their offices, do a lot of great things. I mean, people forget Doom was Doom was invented but no created by four guys in an office space. So, you know, now it takes a whole army of engineers and programmers and developers and, you know, so you, while you got to respect the ingenuity, you almost have to go back and kind of grade it on a curve because there's not as much charm in some of those uh, early PC games of the 90s, early to mid 90s. But at the same time, yeah, 100%. What you're seeing in Dark Forces is one of those things that um, you also see in a lot of PC gaming of that era where they are making up for the lack of power that they have, meaning computing power, processing power, with storytelling. This is, I mean, where you get stuff like whether it's War, Warcraft or Starcraft uh, for a real-time strategy or Command and Conquer. You also get stuff like Fallout, the original Fallout games, which are all uh, very much traditional storytelling adventures. Uh, you get stuff like even like Myst, which are puzzle gaming to the extreme. I don't know if you ever played that. That's that game's a mind trip. Anyway, point being, there was a lot of creativity at that point because the technology is getting in people's hands. But also, when you go back and replay and revisit it, there's not the level of necessary charm that, say, a Donkey Kong would have. It's not gonna have the level of charm that a Super Mario Brothers is going to have. Like you could you could pick up the original Legend of Zelda and play it right now and understand its limitations and fall in love with it all over again. You're not necessarily going to do that with a lot of the games of the early to mid-90s because they don't have that. But what they do have in spades, a lot of that storytelling, I think Dark Forces does that for Star Wars gaming. That's You can draw a through line from Shadows of the Empire through Dark Forces to Knights of the Old Republic to everything we get today, You know, everything from Jedi Survivor to Battlefront and everything in between. Because it does allow, it does that level of creativity that was given to those creators, those developers back then, because they're like, well, we don't know what we're doing, figure it out. And sometimes the easy solution is just simply go, well, it's not that we don't have the power to render that, it's congratulations, you've reached the end of this level. Now you must get into this ship and go cutscene, cutscene, this where you're fixing the cutscene. So they don't have the charm of the uh, old 8-bit generation, but they have their own unique thing. But yeah, if you're gonna play this game, February 28th is when it drops on Steam and all the other uh, platforms and um, consoles. Pick it up. It, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting game, you know, in terms of historical for Star Wars. Cool. Anything else for the good of the order before we sign mm-hmm. off for the week? If not, you can of- hit us up on, on Twitter, on Facebook. Let us know what you thought about the Bad Batch uh um, trailer if you've played dark forces or if you're now going you've been inspired to go play dark forces let us know what you think um if you, you'll yeah so uh you'll definitely get some responses from dave if you're talking video games so um but uh yeah so uh like i said uh hit us up let us know what you think and until then we will say who dat yeah. have a good week everybody My